0: Good morning church, Um, I don't know about you but I'm still recovering from the time of worship that we had I think halfway through I think I don't really want to preach today (laughs) but we could just keep going but we have come to this point and this is uh, a time where we're going to continue our worship I was really encouraged just to hear Jeremy speaking and again the call to go is the call not just to the nations but to our neighbourhood as well so um, we just want to Uh, thank him for bringing what he brings, but also let that stir you up and let that call you to obedience to go and make disciples. Uh, And also, I just believe that God is stirring up in people's hearts this year, the nations, and maybe God is calling you to go. Mm. At some point, he may call you to go to move out of your comfort zone and go to the nations. It might be to go and support these guys in Kenya. It may be to go and support... Uh, Pete and Sarah in Berlin, it may be some other nation, but God is stirring up hearts to go and reach the lost Mm. and the broken. Right, I think I've recovered now. (laughs) Okay, so today we are starting our new uh, sermon series. We've finished Luke, I may have mentioned that, three and a half years of Luke, that has been a real blessing, I believe, to the church. It's blessed me as I've studied it, Uh, but we're going to move on to our new series of, it's called Origins, it's looking at really who we are, who we're meant to be and kind of where we're going. So we're going to look at a bit of Genesis and a bit of Revelation, probably about five or six weeks on each, um, with a short break next week where we lay hands on the elders, the new elders. I'm very excited about that. That is a significant moment in the life of the church, so I really heartily encourage you to come to that. Um But really, as we look at this series, it's really aimed to teach into uh, creation and the fall, which Adam's going to look at uh, the week after next, I think, Mm -hmm. our identity as image bearers of God, um, as men and women, what it is to have covenant relationship with God. Um, And then we're going to look into Revelation, which is going to encourage and awaken and stir us up, give hope to the church. And in looking into Revelation as well, I hope this is going to help us Debunk some of the myths around some of the weirdness that is attached Mm. to the book. The book is not weird There are some slightly strange things in there, but it is the Word of God Um, John even says at the beginning of Revelation Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep What is written in it for the time is near so it's going to be a blessing. Yeah, it's going to be a blessing to read uh, Revelation singular not plural by the way Um, and as a church we need to be equipping our people in how to deal with the challenges of today a hundred years ago societal norms were kind of decided by the church and the role today has been taken on by the mass media Mm. and what is deemed normal and acceptable has fallen to the media not to the church. Mm. And we have an opportunity with this series to speak into falsehood and bring light into darkness. And my prayer is that this would help us, this would equip us to take the Bible seriously, to trust it as our authority, not just dodge and fudge the difficult bits, and that every command and implication leads to life and joy. Yeah. And into obedience to go and make disciples. And part of this is to help us and equip us to make disciples. We will look at, we're going to look at creation today as much as we can in about half an hour um, man and sin, the fall. We're going to look at man and woman, uh, gender. And we're going to look at marriage and singleness, covenant relationships. And then in Revelation, we're going to look at all sorts of things like heaven, hell, the new creation, judgment, the church. And, I feel like I'm done already. But let's let's dive into um, Genesis 1. It's easy to find. It's right at the beginning of the Bible. So if you've got your Bible with you, uh, why don't you open that? Reading Genesis inevitably raises questions. How should we read and understand the book of Genesis? How old is the earth? Where do Christians stand on evolution and creation? And some of this we will tackle later on in the year... Um, in the spring when we look at our big questions series where we'll be tackling some of the tough questions of today um, so there's only so much we can cover today. So um, Please don't give me a hard time if I haven't covered something um, But God is the creator of all things as we look at this. His design for the universe is perfect and timeless And in Genesis 1 he creates everything heavens earth plants animals man woman and in six, in six days, which is pretty good going. And on the seventh day, he rests. Now, I'm going to read all of Genesis 1. And it's quite a lot. So I'm just going to take a little drink before I do that. Um, it is quite a lot, but it is good for us to read Scripture together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> are you ready? Here we go. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters And the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout, vegetations, plants, yielding seed, and fruit trees, bearing fruit in which there is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation plants, yielding seed, according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over day and over night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was... And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was. Yes. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kind, and the livestock according to their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind, and God saw that it was? Yes. Very good. And then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day, and then just going into chapter two, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Definitely need (laughs) a (laughs) drink. So God is the creator of everything. Creation was perfect, it was all good. God made the world out of love. And the, the Christian doctrine of creation is a basis for believing that it is possible to have a harmonious, just society. To show belief in creation is, a kind of, is an intellectual stance and it is a compelling view of faith. Christianity and science are not in conflict. Adam and Eve were the beginning of all humanity and we see equality and dignity for every human being. Uh, in hebrews 11 i think on the next slide it says um, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at god's commands so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible and there's there's an assumption here right at the beginning of genesis was god there was an assumption of god in the beginning god Mm, the creator the one who speaks creation into being the first four words of the Bible launch us into this chapter which shows us the incomparable greatness of the creator God. Genesis 1 tells us 10 times God said and it informs us that as a result it was so. God doesn't struggle and sweat to create the world even though we're told there are at least a 100 billion stars in the universe. That's quite impressive, isn't it? The Hebrew word tells us very simply: He also made the stars. Yeah. Wow. So at the start of the Bible, we, it declares that God is mighty. Mm. God is mighty. God is God, and we are not. He is the Creator, and we are His creatures. Mm. And we read this and see the awesomeness of God. He is awesome. Yeah. I am not. Yeah. I realize this on a regular basis. Yeah. <laughs> I am not, but he is. He creates out of nothing by his word. I struggle to strive and create. Yeah. Only recently I was trying to create something. I was, there's a, uh, a cupboard in my girl's bedroom that you walk into. It's not a posh walk-in wardrobe by the way. It's just a, a, a small hole basically. And the boiler is in it. And we're trying to move the boiler. So I built a stud wall. I cut they their covered in half and tried to put the boiler on the other side um, and it it wasn't easy I made a new doorway in the landing I built a stud wall I was, I was sweating it was hard work I made mistakes in the end it was okay I was reasonably pleased with the results but it wasn't easy but here in the first book of the Bible we see this amazing creation story yeah. my creation was okay, his creation was perfect. Mm. My creation story was littered with mistakes and hard work, this was perfect. Mm, Over time, the Hebrews had heard lots of different creation stories. Um, The Mesopotamians told them that their god, Marduk, killed the ocean goddess Tiamat and created the universe from her severed remains. Nice. It gets better Do you want to hear about the Egyptians. The Egyptians had told the Israelites that their god, Atom, had created the world from a mixture of his own spit, snot, and Uh. semen. Nice. People can often have their own ideas of how we got here. What caused it? What happened? Somebody once... Uh, told me on Alpha that they believed that we were here because aliens had beamed us down from another planet <laughs> people believe all sorts of things about how we got here and sometimes unchallenged and it would have been unchallenged in Egypt and that view of from Egypt until Moses came down from Mount Sinai mm. now before we go on just a quick test here do we know who wrote Genesis Moses, yes, very good. (coughs) Um, Moses wrote Genesis after spending a good few weeks up on on Mount Sinai with God, and then then he wrote Genesis where he tells a different creation story. The world was not created by Atom or Marduk. You'll be relieved to know. We're not living on a planet of snot and spit. But it is a different kind. The one who made him, his name is Elohim. Mm. this was not just another name for a sun god of egypt or the moon god of mesopotamia uh, moses deliberately avoids i think uh, using those words sun and moon altogether together in this chapter mm. he is a self-sufficient independent <laughs> god who hints that he is three in one mm. he's creating the universe out of love not out of loneliness because his name the plural name Elohim, which can be translated gods as well as God, takes singular verbs to make it clear which word translators should choose. Hebrew nouns can be singular, one, dual, two, or plural three or more. The word Elohim or God is plural, as is Adonai or Lord, which is used from Genesis 15:2 mm-hmm. onwards. He is one God yet creates by his word. Yeah. Who is the word? Jesus and through his spirit. He hints at the Trinity here saying, let us make man in our image and our likeness. The word God appears over 30 times in Genesis one. That's one for each verse, by the way. To make it clear, the creation stories of the ancient world were mistaken. The universe began with the one and only true living God. So, there's evidence for the Trinity in creation. It's all about Him, and the focus is God. He is the real reason we are here. It's all about Him, and we get to serve as extras in His story. I quoted the other week the Westminster Catechism, how it puts it the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And the main thing that this should alert us to is the fact that God gets to call the shots in our lives because He is Creator designer and sustainer of all. And we'll discover in a few weeks when Adam looks at the fall that mankind has been pushing against this since the beginning. Mm. We want to be our own gods. We want to be the master of our ship, the king of our castle. Why should God get to call the shots in our lives? Because he is the creator, designer and sustainer of all. And the first verse is offensive to many, that God, something outside of time and matter, created something out of nothing. And on those grounds, he gets the authority to do pretty much what he likes and says what he likes through the next 31,100 verses in the Bible. We get answers from these verses to why there is order instead of chaos. When talking about creation, uh, Douglas Adams, who's the author of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, said, isn't it enough to see that a garden is beautiful without having to believe that there are fairies at the bottom of it, too? Basically, we don't have to believe in all that supernatural stuff because there's order in this world and the world is beautiful. Can't we just leave it there? Well, no, we can't because Gardens don't make you believe in fairies, but they do make you believe in gardeners. Why is there order? Most things in the material world, there is anarchy. It's a bit like a teenager's bedroom. It starts off tidy, but slowly over time, it descends into disorder. And mess. If you were left this building empty for many, many years it would be in a state of disorder. If you leave things over time, they will shift into a less and less ordered system. So why is there order now? Why is there the human brain? The inner complexities of how our bodies work. And we started either millions or thousands of years ago, depending on how you view it, with fire and rock, and now we have order lifeless mess turning into a highly specified group of complex organisms Look at your neighbor and say you are a complex organism (laughs) Genesis 1 tells us that the world the world the earth was formless and void and then God spoke and his spirit brought order We see the eternal nature of god we see he is good bringing light into darkness order out of chaos we see the trinity at work in the spirit the word and god operating in the first few verses of scripture god is the reason for the origin of everything he is the reason for us being here too Genesis 1, 27 to 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. God made humans and told them to be fruitful and multiply. And we see that through this, humans made in the image of God have worth and value. Yeah. That all life matters babies, the frail, the hindered, and God decrees that. God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male or female, he created them. And the irony is that scientists are scouring the universe in search of meaning. But the meaning of the universe is literally under our notice. Mm. American astrophysicist Carl Sagan said this, he hypothesizes in his book Cosmos, that we live in an insignificant planet of humdrum stars lost in a galaxy tucked away in some forgotten corner of a universe in which there are far more galaxies than people. The universe seems neither benign nor hostile, merely indifferent to the concerns of such puny creatures as we are. Well, thanks, Carl, We feel really encouraged by that. But the Bible tells us that the real story is so much better. Yeah. The one which is being spun so much better than the one that's being spun to the blinking people of the Western world. We are small but not insignificant. Because of God's love for us. What are we hearing that this morning in the worship? His love for us. He's inviting us in. Mm. Because of the special purpose he has placed upon us as his image bearers. Both male and female were created in the image of God and he blessed and commissioned them. And that statement found in Genesis one27 to 28 is the foundation for almost everything we believe about human beings today. Belief that we what we have today in today's society for human rights. All of it stems from this statement. But all humans were created in the image of God. And this is at the heart of our belief that humans have worth and value. You have sexual equality, sexual complementarity all stem from this. Men and women are equal, but also men and women are different. I have three children, two of which are girls and one is a boy. They have similarities, but there are also great differences as well. It gives us the sanctity for human life, that we shouldn't kill people. So if you have been killing people, don't do it, because they are image bearers of God. It gives us the sanctity of human life. By virtue of being human, people are of value. Not if they're like us or have worth to us, but because they're human, because they are image bearers of God. And when human rights is grounded in anything else other than this, as people try to live that out, it's like they're kind of living on the foundations of a the house they used to live in, because people of the culture today is moving away from uh, Christianity. If you think you have value because, or we think people have value because of their intelligence or viability to survive on their own, we slip Quickly slip into eugenics or we think they'll only be useful to us economically we fall into genocide of the weak but because we live in this post-christian society they're basing human rights on a past belief but we are called to love support honor the very young the very old the weak the poor god takes human beings and puts them on the frontiers of the earth and says go and represent me and be my image bearers and anyone who walks into this territory will see you and recognize that there is a god who is like you who is the creator of the earth that means as well though when god sees us defacing dishonoring other image bearers he is angry because god looks at that individual as being oppressed or marginalized or tortured or abused or whatever it is and he says how dare you deface my image of this person he bears the image the image of god and you are not to touch them you're not to speak to them like that and not to treat them like that because they are they bear my image so whether you're nine weeks old in the womb or 99 in the nursing home you are an image bearer of god you are blessed you are commissioned to take god's presence to the ends of the earth and he says to you what he says to you but says to Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Mm. Human rights are not a concept, they are a divine gift to God's image bearers. These chapters as well give us boundaries for human rights. We don't not have any god-given right to choose our gender or sexuality. Jesus points back in Mark 10 6 to 9, he teaches that at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Having said this, and what I'm about to say, the church must be a place where the gender confused and the sexually broken have a safe place. We are all broken and all in need of salvation. If we don't believe that, then we don't believe our own message. We mustn't confuse others' sin being more serious than our own. Put a particular struggle outside of the bounds of what is acceptable, because that is actually wicked and ungodly. God has something to say on the givenness of biological sex, on who we can and can't marry. In, uh, at the end of February, we have um, someone coming to speak on gender and the givenness of biological sex. Andrew Bunt, who uh, writes for Think Theology website, he's at Kings in Hastings, he's written books on this stuff as well, and on um, homosexuality. He's going to come and speak and open up the Word of God to him, And how we as a church... Can reach people. So that's on the 27th of February, he's coming. But God is sp- speaking to us about what it is to be his image bearers. And uh, one of the principal ways we get to do that is through marriage. We get to bear the image of the triumph of God, the one God who exists in three persons yeah. who are both the same God and but different persons. We have no right to marry multiple partners since the two will become one flesh nor do we have the right to pursue so-called sexual freedom before marriage or after marriage or when the divorce papers are signed. These verses also affect how we view the rights of animals. Mm. We owe them our care since God has made us rulers over them but we do not owe them equal rights to humans. Now. I do actually like animals i'm not just saying this because i don't i used to have a dog for 14 years Uh, she sadly passed away and then we went down the pecking order of what a good pet is and then we got a hamster we're working our way back up we now have a guinea pig soon we'll be getting back to the dog stage again at home but god has made us rulers over them Jesus helped his disciples to fish better. He commanded them to prepare a meal at Passover of red meat and wine. And Genesis 1 to 2, though, is can be offensive to the modern ear. And it proves how different our culture's story is to God's story. Our own offense also demonstrates how infected we have become ourselves by the secular story. Yeah. When we move from the beginning of the story to the end, to Revelation, we, when we get to look at Revelation, it tells us and we discover this effective gospel is incredibly good news. Every time we cry over pain and difficulty in life, Revelation tells us that deep down there's more to this. That we were made for a different world yeah. every time we mourn over the death of a loved one however young or old it's because deep down we know we were made that we should never die or we're upset by injustice in the world or conflict in relationships we are silently crying out for a different kind of world and god's big story is that such a world is real yeah. there is a world where we can rest in god's finished work One day there will be a world where our enemy is defeated and there is no more pain or suffering. God is offering everybody that very thing they are longing for through faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. The first two chapters of the Bible are mirrored in the last two chapters of the Bible in Revelation 21 to 22. It makes constant references back. It's like this arching line between the beginning and the end if you really study scripture. It tells us that the start of the story is only a taste of the brilliance of which is to come. The story starts with a garden paradise but ends with a vast city paradise. It starts with a man and a woman but ends with a crowd so large that no man can count. It starts with a sneaky lying snake. That allows death and destruction into the world but ends with the destruction of the snake and death is defeated forever. Oh man, yeah, yeah. It starts with God coming down to visit the people he created but it ends with God bringing heaven down to earth to make this city paradise our new eternal dwelling place. Yeah. You don't have to be a brilliant storyteller to make this sound good, it's good news. Yeah. The best news that any man or woman could have. In him, we have value and worth. In Jesus, you have a hope that all suffering will be eradicated. In Jesus, one day you will live in a perfect world that we see in this creation story. Know and rest in the fact that this world, this life is not about you. It's about bringing glory to him. The one who made you, enjoying him and making his name known. And when you come to that realisation, you can breathe. It's not about you. Mm. And weirdly, when you start focusing on yourself less and more on him, then and only then you will find the peace and joy that the Bible talks about. The one who made it all made you he sees you he knows you he loves you he loves you so much that he bought you at a price his son paid the price on the cross so that you can be reconciled to him the gospel tells us that we now can have a sure and certain hope in the presence of god with a perfect pain-free body as you get over your mid-twenties and into your thirties you look forward to that day more and more (laughs) a perfect pain-free body marvel at the works of his hands marvel at creation Mm. but marvel at what he's done for you and in you you are an image bearer of god and you are to take his name and make it known as jeremy was talking about to the nation and to the neighborhood you're an image bearer. You are loved. It's not about you, it's about Him. Yeah. Why don't we stand and let's pray? Yeah. yeah, Father. Thank you, Lord, for you are a good God. Yeah. You are creator, you are redeemer, you are the giver of life the giver of joy. It's about him. We get to be those that play a part in his great story. Will you join his story today? What is he calling you to? He's not calling you to a big part in his plan. He's not calling you to look like the rest of the world. He's not calling you to be a church attender. He's calling you to join him in his mission of making his name known. To tell the world that you are image bearers of the living God, the one God who is three in one. Thank you, Jesus, that we have been made new in your sight and that we can look forward to the uh, new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. Father, Lord, I pray as we go further into this series that you will just awaken us stir our hearts lord stir our hearts towards you the living god the creator god the one who made everything perfect the one who will bring heaven down to earth one day lord let that be a fresh reality in our hearts and minds this week spirit of the living god come and breathe on us again commission us lord to go into our neighbors our neighbourhood, Lord, and reach those that don't know you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.